0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. I can personally testify that Convoy of Hope is an awesome ministry, worked with them uh, in many countries over many years, and man, no doubt, they're doing great stuff, and they're doing it in the name of Jesus. They're very uh, passionate about the message of who God is getting out to everyone that they come in contact with, so you you can feel great about supporting Convoy of Hope in whatever way you want to do that. Uh, as David said, my name is Donnie. I work in the student ministry here at Riverside. It's great to be with you this morning, and as he also said, step forward with wisdom. Wisdom is where we are starting to go this morning, and we'll be going there over the next few weeks. And really today, in my mind, is a starting point when it comes to the subject of wisdom and where we're going uh, throughout the next few weeks. Today, in grasping the, the foundational concept that we're gonna look at from God's word is gonna be huge to moving forward, stepping forward in our Stepping Forward with Wisdom series. So when I think of wisdom, and if you think about that just for a second, if you could just think in your mind, see if you can get on the screen of your mind what your quick definition of wisdom would be. If someone said to you, what is wisdom? Or if your kids or someone came up to you and said, what is wisdom? If you had to give a pointed Uh, very clear, concise definition of wisdom, what would it be? See if you can kind of come up with that in your head. I was doing that when I was thinking about wisdom, and uh, there's a a lot of stuff that comes to mind, but to get it, to boil it down can kind of be a challenge there. And so uh, here's what I was thinking when I was thinking of wisdom. And I'm not saying this is what (laughs) wisdom is, but this is what I was thinking when I was thinking about wisdom. I was thinking of the interpretation and the application Of knowledge and experience. That's what came to my mind the interpretation and the application of knowledge and experience. So, all of us have experiences that we've accumulated. No matter how old you are, you have a list or a pile of experiences, and all of us, no matter how smart we think we are, we have knowledge about things. And really, wisdom in my mind largely comes down to figuring out what that means. What does my knowledge mean? What do my experiences mean, and what do I do with them? On a daily basis, as I interact with people, as I go about my life, what do I do with my knowledge and my experiences? How, how do those things affect my life? So we're going to start at the beginning, and I was, I was thinking a lot about this idea, and I was thinking when it comes to wisdom, we usually think, and this is small, so there's a picture on the screen you can kind of see here. I, I made something on a Play-Doh for you guys, and it's a little brain. And uh, it's, hard, it's really hard to find just white Play-Doh, by the way. Just a can of white Play-Doh. Why is that so hard? Um, they're every other color. I could have had a neon green brain. It would have been real easy. But uh, that wouldn't have just said brain. So it's got the little creases and everything. You know, it's got the two lobes. I mean, I was pretty proud of this. I was working on this last night. And I made this, this little brain. And when we think of wisdom, we definitely think of the brain. It's our mind, you know. Uh, we, we think about that's, this is where our intellect comes from. This is where our knowledge piles up. This is where we process things. This is where we analyze things. This where logic is. And, And this is what we think of when we think of all of that stuff. And so we think about wisely moving forward, making decisions. A lot of times we think about it like this. And then, of course, there's this one. I can't take credit for this. This is the Plato heart. A little easier to find red Plato, by the way. Um, And this is Sierra. My daughter Sierra made this. We were sitting on opposite chairs in the living room last night making Play-Doh things. And she made this little heart. And so the reason I brought both of these here this morning is because I think when it comes to the subject of wisdom, we often think about these things as separate things. Because the heart is the seat of the emotions, it's where our desires flow from, it's, it's where we feel, but if you stop and think about it for a second, really, it all comes from the same spot. Where we feel, what we think, where our desires are, it really all comes from the mind heart, Here, I'll smush them together. So so for our purposes this morning, I don't want want us to separate these. I want us to treat these like two things that are really one thing. And I'm going to refer to this the whole morning as our mind heart as your mind heart, so it's a hyphenated word, and it includes all of your emotions, all your feelings, all your thoughts, all your all the different things that make up who you are, all come from your mind heart. So we're thinking of those as one thing today, and as we progress with the scriptures, and as we think about things spiritually today, as we think about wisdom, I don't want us to think about just one of these things and kind of leave the other one out. I want us to think about both of these things, so I just smooshed them together, I don't know if they're going to, they're probably going to like follow up here. I'll stack up. Maybe I can do this. I'm going to ruin my heart. All right. There we go. Plato's is amazingly resilient. All right, so you guys see that here? Let's get this right up on the edge. At least you can see the color blurbs, all right? Maybe I'll pick this up and wave it around at you occasionally. So a Play-Doh mind heart is what we're talking about this morning. And the Play-Doh part comes in, obviously, because Play-Doh is pretty soft and it's pretty pliable. And that's just true of our minds and our hearts. We think maybe it's more true at certain stages of life than at others, and that may be true... But all of us are influenced in our mind and our hearts and our mind heart by things, by something. Something is influencing all of us and we get to choose to some degree or even to large degree what influences or what sculpts and what shapes our mind heart. Whatever has influence over the shape of this and what it's doing, we largely can control what we allow to do that. So that's what we're talking about this morning and you're gonna hear something like this question maybe every week. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about what's best, what's best. And this is something I often think about, and I talk about it with students a lot because I'm with students a lot and young adults a lot. A lot of times we approach life and spirituality and Christianity by asking the question, what's right and what's wrong? Is it wrong to do this? Is it right to do that? And those questions can be helpful, but what I've found to be a way better question is what's the best thing that I can do? With my knowledge, with my experiences, what's the best thing that I can do? Because I think that question changes the landscape of where we're going. Rather than just asking what's right or what's wrong, what's the very best decision I can make? What's the best thing I can do with my mind heart? So when it comes to what I'm letting influence my mind heart, when it comes to how I'm spending and what I'm doing with my knowledge and my experiences, what's the best thing, I can do with my mind heart. That's the question I want to work on for a few minutes this morning. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit will help us with this because we need him to do that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, please help us. As we look at your word, as we think, as you speak to us this morning, help us to understand from your word what you want us to understand. And as we step forward beyond today, help us to have your mind and your thinking and be able to put what you are saying to us into practice leaving here, but help us to get it, help us to get to hear and to respond to what you have to say to us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. I like the way that sounds, just plop it down there. So we're going to look at Romans, Romans 11, and really the, the, the main thrust of, of what I want to talk about and what I want to just highlight to you guys this morning comes out of Romans 11 and 12. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to look at these scriptures, and I encourage you to have it open in a paper Bible or be looking at it on your digital device, because if not, Romans 11 and 12 are not going to be on the screen, so you're going to kind of be lost. So, you know, focus, and, and these are such powerful words here. We're going to start in these Romans verses, and then we're going to go some other places, and then we're going to come back to this, okay? Romans chapter 11, and we're going to start at verse 33, and we're going to go through 12 and, and verse 2. So Paul's writing this, early church leader, he's trying to uh, talk, speak to the, the people that lived in Rome, the Christians, the followers of Jesus that lived in Rome. Uh, he had not been there to visit them yet, so he's uh, kind of comparing notes on what the gospel is and lining things up and letting them know uh, where, what he believes and where he stands and, and trying to align those things. So in uh, verse 33, he starts out by saying this, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. When I read those verses before we hit verse one there, it's almost like he's saying to the Romans, God has this massive stockpile of wisdom. God's mind is so far beyond our mind. His thoughts are so far beyond our thoughts. He is our creator. So it's from him that the wisdom that we have access to or the wisdom we have is just just a glimpse, it's just a taste of what there is in God. He is rich. When it comes to wisdom and knowledge and knowing what to do and how to do it, God is the end-all be-all because he is our creator. And so he's, he's kind of pointing to God and saying there's a huge pile of awesome stuff that we should be recognizing and tapping into in the area of wisdom. Way beyond our own resources when it comes to our thinking. Determining what to do moving forward. Determining how we should live. In every area you could possibly think of when it comes to wisdom and knowledge and experience and how to apply those things, he's saying God is just way beyond. And and Isaiah said that too. He said that God's thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. His ways are are so much higher than ours. And so Paul's kind of praising him and worshiping him. But it's this recognition of the fact that God has the corner on wisdom. So going on, he says in chapter 12, verse one, therefore, because of all of this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So it starts with recognizing and accepting the wisdom of God. Basically what he's saying is offer your mind heart to God for transformation. So if we recognize that he is the author of life, that he has the corner on wisdom, that he has the stockpile of all the awesome stuff, he's saying, he says offer your bodies and for our purposes this morning... I want to talk about that as being our mind heart. That's part of who we are. It's part of our body. It's part of our being. And so he's saying, take your mind heart and and soft, pliable, open, recognize God's wisdom and hold this out to him and say, God, I realize that you have the true store of wisdom. I realize that you are rich in these things, and you are also merciful that you will give these things to me freely. Despite my sin and my brokenness, I realize I don't have everything I need when it comes to how to live wisely, how to be wise, how to move forward. I, I am not the end of all, all the end-all, be-all of wisdom and knowledge. I don't have all the resources necessary to live the way I should, and that's where it starts recognizing that God has that storehouse and offering our mind heart to him as part of our being, as part of our body, saying, God, my mind and my heart, they need to be transformed. They need to be more like yours. I want to to tap in to that stockpile of wisdom and and knowledge that you offer me in your great mercy. Recognition of that. All of us can do that. It's a very practical thing that we can do, and it's not just a one-time thing. This is an every day, every morning, every night on the drive to work thing offering our mind heart to God for his transformation. God, mold this, shape this, fill it, direct my emotions, direct my thoughts and my thinking. It's an invitation to him. And can God and will God do that when we don't invite him? He can and does, but how much more will he do when we're saying, God, I'm offering this to you freely. I'm giving you my moldable brain and my moldable heart because I want you to work on me because you have way more to offer than I do. Offer your mind heart to God for transformation, not as a rock, as a stone, that's how it comes. And sometimes we need his help with that, Say, so soften it. God, it is my brain and my heart, their they're heart is rocks. But I need you to soften this for me, so I'm offering it to, do, to you to do your work in my mind heart. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, same author, Paul, writing to a different people, a different city, and often these letters were circulated and passed around to different churches. So, you know, sometimes the Romans would be getting stuff that Paul wrote to the Corinthians and vice versa, and they would get copied and passed around. First Corinthians chapter one, and we're gonna start at verse 18. So the question now is: okay. So I'm supposed to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's what he said in there. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We offer it to him, but can we participate doing more than that? Is there more that we should be doing? Is there more participation on our part in order for us to step forward with wisdom, in order for us to have the mind and the heart that we need to have before God? How do we do this? How, how, be transformed. Someone says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The question is, okay, how do I do that? How do I do that? And he helps us. There are some scriptures that help us with what we can do to help that process along. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's a mind thing. It's a mind thing. Saying they don't understand it. To people who are apart from God, who are outside of that, those, that resource pile we talked about of the knowledge and wisdom of God, to people who are living outside of that, not open to it, haven't accepted it yet, they look at the message of the cross and think, it's stupid, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't get it, and I don't wanna get it. And he clearly acknowledges it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, who have the mind heart that God's working on, it's power, it's the power of God. Verse 19, for it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. So God not only can't work with a closed spiritual mind toward him, it's actually saying that, that when we're just kind of looking to ourselves and we refuse to open up our mind to the influence of our creator, then he's kind of working against us, that we're in opposition to God, where we're in disagreement with him. When we're just kind of doing our own thing, when our mind heart is just ours, and we're, all, we're opening it to everything and everyone else except for God, we're actually at odds with God. We're working against him. Whether we, whether we want to or not, he's saying the reality is we are in opposition with God, if that's the case. So he goes on. He says, verse, skip ahead to verse 24, the second part of verse 24 He's already referred to the message of the cross. He says, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the message of the cross is God's wisdom. Christ is God's wisdom. And in verse 25, he says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. So, what can we do to to engage in this process of being transformed by the renewing of our mind? He's saying, Accept the cross of Jesus Christ and what happened there as God's wisdom. We come to him and say, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand the cross. I don't understand the mystery of the cross. I don't understand all about it. But I'm going to choose... To accept the cross as your wisdom because what do we just say? Your wisdom is higher than mine. You have the resource pile. You know best and you have chosen the cross as a place to interact and agree with me. The place where, where we and God come together in the mind heart is at the cross. We come with our mind and our heart and it's the place where God chooses to make agreement with him available. Agreement about who we are and our limitations and our brokenness and our sin. Agreement about who he is and his perfection, his love and his mercy and his justice. So the cross of Jesus Christ is where God in his wisdom and in his mercy has chosen to say bring your mind heart to the cross. And it's at the cross as you choose to to acknowledge the message of the cross as human foolishness. But as my wisdom, I am now going to use that, which you think to be foolish and make no sense, I'm going to use that to transform, to forgive, to restore, to heal, and to open the understanding of your mind. But you've got to bring your mind heart to the cross and say, I don't get it, but God, I accept this as your wisdom. I accept this as your way. Where's my way led me? My way has led me to brokenness, pollution, filth. My way has led me to finite things. So we come to the cross and say, okay, I'm gonna set my arrogance down and I'm gonna agree that the cross is what you have chosen to bring agreement, to bring a parallel path. We can now be parallel with God because of the cross. We can meet him there and be in agreement with him. The message of the cross is God's wisdom. And you may be sitting here and saying, well, you know, that's great, that's cool, man, amen, that's awesome, I've been going to church for a long time, I love hearing that, I hope those other people that are sitting here that, that haven't heard about God yet, I hope they really understand that, and yes, 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 true, 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 but I was also looking at this and being like, man, I've got to do this every day, Accept the message of the cross as God's wisdom, Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me, the message of the cross is not just a one-time event, it is a way of life. It's a way of sacrificial love. It's a way to look at the world. We view the world as followers of Jesus through the lens of the cross of Jesus. At the cross, it's where Jesus turns everything human upside down. So when we go to work, we're looking at our work through the lens of the cross of Jesus. How can I carry my cross? How can the message of the cross affect me today? When we go to school, we accept and we acknowledge the cross is your wisdom. So I'm going to live a cross life today. I'm going to view my relationships through the message of the cross when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to putting others first, when it comes to accepting our need for God's grace. This is not a one-time thing that we do. It's an everyday thing because, man, you know... You know how it is with our with our minds and our hearts. These things get messed up. You can't come to church one day and be like, "Boom! God just hits it and it's like perfect forever." We get these all messed up. It's like it kind of if I took this and if I took this glob right here and rolled it down the center aisle. What am I going to pick it up with? My son said this the other day, he was talking about he's like hair all over it and like, you know, know, there's always like stuff on the floor you don't see, but when you throw like a piece of play-doh or something down on it, all kinds of nasty stuff comes up on there. And that's kind of like what us going out into the world does. When we go to school, we go to work, interacting with family, we're out doing business, it's like taking your mind heart and rolling it down the aisle. And when it comes back on Sunday morning, there's all this hair all over it. And all this gross dirt and stuff. And you're like, I don't even know where that came from. Whose hair is that? You know, That's the way our lives are. So the message of the cross is an ongoing thing that needs to wash over our life. We accept it as God's wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Skip ahead to chapter 2. There's another piece here. So we offer our mind, heart to God for transformation. We accept the message of the cross as God's wisdom every day. What else can we do? And we need this next part that Paul articulates desperately. This is so beautifully worded. First Corinthians two, let's look at verse 11, second part of verse 11. No one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. Little foreshadow, the verses to come. We can't do this without the spirit of God. We need the active, daily, presence of God's spirit directing our minds and our hearts he explains verse 12 what we have received is not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us this is what we speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words So truly, to to engage and participate in transformation and the transformation of our mind, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the mind heart of Christ. And that's something that we can do once, we can do it every day. Help my mind, realizing that I can't get what I'm reading in the Bible. I can't get what I'm, the conversations I'm having in small groups, or I'm, I'm, I'm talking to someone who knows Jesus, or I'm out reading something or whatever, realizing that I need the Holy Spirit actively helping me in my mind and my heart, with my emotions and with my thinking, in order to process things correctly. The, the Holy Spirit's the X factor. We, we, we're just gonna be beating our heads against the wall constantly. If we're opening the scriptures and reading them without the Spirit helping us, if we're out living trying to discern things and understand things, trying to parse out, what's God's wisdom? What, what's human wisdom? Is this right? Is this wrong? Without the Holy Spirit helping us, basically what he's saying is hopeless, You're never gonna get what comes from God. We cannot receive what God wants to pour into our lives unless the container of the Holy Spirit is installed. And here's the beautiful thing about accepting the message of the cross as God's wisdom. When we accept the message of the cross as God's wisdom, a door kicks open in our life and the Holy Spirit marches in. And he takes up residence inside us and he helps us with this process that Paul's talking about. Without the Holy Spirit helping us, Frustration is the word I think of. Trying to figure out the stuff of God without the Holy Spirit is impossible. It is impossible. But we do it. We default to us constantly. And we forget to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. We forget to engage the Holy Spirit. We forget to get ourselves in a place where we can hear the Holy Spirit and let him work on us. There, We could talk all day about how to get into a place where the Holy Spirit can work on our minds. But we've got to start by saying, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Because I can't get it, and I don't understand it, and I'm struggling with it, whatever the it is. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me with what I feel, how to feel, what my feelings mean to you, why you gave me these, and I need your help in my mind. How do I respond to things? And the list is forever long about how the Holy Spirit helps us on a daily basis with everything that comes at our mind heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the mind, heart of Christ, because that's exactly what he does. You look at how Jesus lived. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories, the biographies of Jesus' life. We watch how Jesus lived, and you look at his life, and everything he did, and everything he said, and his demeanor, his posture, the values that he represented, the integrity that he had. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. He was a Spirit-empowered man as an example to us. So the Holy Spirit wants to give us that same perspective, the mind of Christ. Can you imagine doing your everyday with Jesus' brain? With Jesus' heart? I mean, think of the stuff that Jesus did, and it wasn't just his mind. The scriptures refer to Jesus' heart and his mind. The way he thought about stuff, the stuff he knew, but also what he felt. God wants us to walk around like Jesus, and the only way we can do that is if the Holy Spirit has access to make our mind heart like Jesus' mind heart, to give us the mind of Christ, so that when we look at the world, we see it like Jesus would. When you look at your work, when you look at your tragedy, when you look at your struggles, when you look at your physical pain, see it through the mind of Christ, the lens of Christ. I read that and I'm like, man, yes. I so need that on a daily basis and a million times a day. Philippians chapter four, Philippians chapter four, some practical stuff because the Bible can be exceptionally practical when it comes to some of this stuff. Okay, so what can we do? We've talked about a lot of spiritual stuff which is so important, it's the stuff, it's where we start, it's the intangible stuff, it's the supernatural work of God in our mind heart. But there are some practical things that we can do to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's stuff that we can do every day, choices we make to follow this way or that way. And and we're gonna look at just a few of those that that the scriptures help us with. Paul, same author, writing to a different city, people in, in Philippi. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer, talking to God, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So you want peace? Talk to God. Engage with him constantly. Instead of being anxious and just trying to handle everything everything on your own, letting it all build up and pile up, make this a team effort. Do life with him every day. He's right there, verse seven. And the peace of God, if you do this, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you guys who, who maybe you're, you're on the cusp or you're at the beginning of considering whether you should really explore a relationship with God, this is awesome. And it's in the bank. He's saying it's gonna happen. If you are in interaction with God, if you open up yourself to a relationship with him, and you're talking to him, you're dialoguing with him, but all the stuff that's going on, his peace will come in and it will protect your mind heart. It's gonna be like a wall around this so that nothing the world can throw at you can get to it. And if we're not doing this, he's saying stuff's gonna get through. But he wants his peace to be wrapped around this mind heart like a blanket. So if I took one of your scarves right now and just wrap this up real nice, that's what being constantly in touch with God does for us. It wraps our mind, heart, in a blanket so that whatever comes at us is fine. We can survive it. We can be okay. He says, "In the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there's the mind of God thing. There's the Jesus-centered thing again. Verse eight, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I've read that verse a million times, and I can't help when I read it, think about, man, am I filling my mind with stuff that's messing with all of this? I come to church on Sunday morning, I sing worship songs, I read the scriptures, God, I want to have your mind heart, but am I filling my mind and my heart with stuff that is in opposition to what I say I want to do? And what he's saying here is, it's not just about avoiding things. And we do that too. Well, I'm going to clean my life up and I'm going to stop doing a bunch of stuff. Great. But we got to fill it with good stuff. We're not meant to be empty hearted and empty brained. We've got to fill it with good stuff. And he's saying, make a conscious effort every day to put stuff into your mind heart, to focus your mind heart on good, awesome things. Well, what kind of things? Look on the screen, this one's on the screen, Hebrews 3.1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. What is more noble? What is more pure? What is more praiseworthy? What is more admirable than Jesus himself? Thinking about Jesus, thinking about who he is, thinking about what he did, thinking about how he lived. All during the day, constantly permeating our thinking, we're just thinking about Jesus. In general, thinking about Jesus, well what about Jesus? Everything about Jesus. Consciously aware of who he is, his active, resurrected, living presence, the example that he has left for us, his guidance in our life, his forgiveness, all the Jesus stuff, and Jesus himself. With, fix our eyes on Jesus, just like you were staring at somebody. If I said, stare at your spouse, and you're gonna look at him, you're paying attention to him, you're focused on him, he's saying, do that with Jesus. Acknowledge and be aware of and be looking at him during the day. Like as a living person in your life. Talking to him and aware of his presence. Hebrews 4.12 on the screen. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God. The scriptures that he has allowed To come down to us. All these books written by different people through all these years, guided by the Holy Spirit, right to our laps, whether it's digital or in paper, he's saying this stuff needs to be in our mind. We need it because what does it do? It goes right to the heart. It goes right to your mind heart. When we read the Word of God and we're actively asking the Holy Spirit to help us understand it and apply it, it'll cut right to your mind heart. It'll get right into this Play Doh. It'll permeate it, it'll shape it, it'll saturate it because that's what the Word of God does. That's why he left it for us, so that we could focus on it. And I can't help but think of this in my own life too. Man, am I neglecting that? I say a whole bunch of things about how I want my mind heart to be, but am I allowing the word of God? I I had a toothpick last night, and I was like working on the little creases for the brain and stuff, and then I had like a a little thing from the kitchen working on it. That's kind of like what the word of God does. It actually molds and sculpts these things and actually makes marks. So when we're engaging with the word of God and we're asking the Holy Spirit to help us, as we talked about before, it will shape, transform, and sometimes cut down and get rid of stuff, pull pieces off, add pieces on. It will change your mind, heart. Are we engaging with the word of God? And we need to, that's his plan for us, is for us to engage with the word. Ephesians 2, 3 on the screen. All of us also lived among them people who are far from God and and not allowing God to to influence them, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh or our sinful nature, our our human side without God is what that is, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So there's a path there. He's identifying a path that is active in all of our lives every day. It's crouching, ready, ready. It is the path of our not-God selves. It's the path of our cravings. It's the path of our desires. It's the path of just our broken humanity and whatever it wants to do, however it wants to react, all of our raw human emotion, all of our raw human thinking, all the stuff that we would think in our brain and all the stuff we would feel in our heart, just on our own, that's what the flesh is. And that—that's while we're walking around on this earth, that's there. And it rears its ugly head. So he's saying at one time, you just followed that. At one time, we all just kind of did that. We had a mind heart without God and it directed everything that we wanted, desired, and did. That's a path. And we can choose to follow that. When you get up tomorrow morning, you can choose to follow that path. If you want to, you can, you can follow that path. But look what he says in Romans, Romans 13, verse 14 on the screen. Instead of following that path, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. We all have a path that we choose to follow every day. We're either going to think about how we can follow through on our mind, hearts, desires, and ways without God, or we get up in the morning and say, Spirit of God, help me today to follow your path. So there are two paths. There's the mind heart of God directed by the Holy Spirit path, and there's the my our mind heart path. Which one are we choosing to consciously follow every morning when we get up and go throughout our day? So the thought there is fill your mind heart with godly stuff and fight the flesh. Fill your mind heart with good stuff. The word of God spiritual community, this, you know all, all the things that are going to help you focus on Jesus and think about him, all the things that are going to help you discern what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is, that's the stuff we need to be focusing on, filling our minds with, and then fight the flesh. Man, let me just say this. If you're here and you're like, man, I want the God thing, and I want to follow Jesus, and I'm connecting with this, and I feel God talking to me, and I can't wait for that moment that he just, he just like, takes all that away so I don't have to deal with it anymore, there is a moment where the power is broken over it but it will be a fight for the rest of your life for the rest of my life we fight the flesh i mean you 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 fit, for the word fight put whatever word is most graphic for you in there battle war cuz it's bloody and it's nasty every day temptation and sin the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing things, our raw, visceral, just not God's selves, pull at us and dig at us and claw at our heels. Stuff from within that we hate just keeps coming back up to the surface. Stuff from without pulling on us. It is a battle. and We've got to get up in the morning ready to do war with our flesh, with our sinful nature, and with the stuff of the world that would mess this up and pull it out of God's hands. Because there's a whole bunch of other tools. I used a toothpick to do that. There's a whole bunch of other tools that would destroy and pollute this. We've got to get up in the morning and say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be like naive about this. I need to have my, my spirit lens on, my brain turned on, my heart devoted. I need to be ready to walk out of this world and do war with myself, first of all, before, before you even walk out of your house and do war with everything that's gonna come at me to try to pull me away from God. It is a fight. My encouragement to you who are struggling in that fight, and you're like, man, I'm not normal. I fight more than this person. I have this addiction to this thing. I don't understand why I'm like this. Ultimately, I understand those feelings that you have, but they're not helping you. Just don't quit. Don't give up. The Spirit of God will never give up on you. And remember, the measure of your spiritual health is not your level of perfection. The measure of your spiritual health is how many times you will pick yourself up off the ground with the help of the Holy Spirit and get right back in the ring. Even when you're dizzy and you can't see straight, pull yourself up off the floor and get right back into the ring because the Spirit will never give up on you. And he will, and he promises, he will see you through to the finish line. And he will give you victory. He will give you power. And somehow, through those moments that you feel like you're the most defeated, the most weak, the most broken, somehow, you will see his power shining through the cracks in your life in ways that you never would have anticipated before. Don't stop fighting the flesh. And if you do, he will maintain control in the reins of this and bring you home to be with him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind heart. That's the thing this morning. And we've talked about some stuff that needs to happen for you to get to that place where you can start to be transformed. I wanna ask the worship team to come up. I wanna ask you this question. What will you do with your mind heart stepping forward? What are you gonna do this week and tomorrow? Talked about a lot of stuff and there's a whole bunch of stuff we didn't talk about. What are you gonna do with your mind heart? Where are you gonna put it? What are you going to let influence it? What will you choose to do with your mind, heart? Because every single person here has a choice. For some of you who are in here this morning, I I want to encourage you to trust him and his love for you. And maybe today's the day that you say, you know what? I've been holding on to this and I've been sitting in church and I've been listening to this stuff. Today's the day I choose. I'm going to bring this to the cross. I'm going to bring this to Jesus for the first time today. And I'm gonna give it to him, and it's tough, man. I I wanna hold on to this, but I realize that he can do with my mind heart what I could never do with it. He can heal it, he can restore it, and he has an awesome plan for it. If you wanna step forward with wisdom, the first thing to do is to give your mind heart to God. And I don't want you to walk out of here mistaken about one very important thing. I am not giving you a to-do list this morning. Trying to be helpful, look at some scriptures, point some things out, but walking out of here this morning, the way to know what the perfect, pleasing, perfect way of God, the will of God is, the, the way to know that is to be transformed. It's not to follow a list of bullet points, because we'll never know what they all are and we'll never get them all right. We have to have the mind of Christ. We have to think like he thinks. He thinks. We have to be able to see like he sees. And no list and no papers and no program can create that. We have to let the Holy Spirit do something supernatural that cannot be quantified in our brains and in our hearts. We need to let him move in. And that's a choice that we make. You you say, wait, it's just as simple as me like opening my hands and opening my heart and just letting him in? It's that simple. We want to do something. He's saying, just let me in. Let me help you think like I think and feel like I feel. Would you bow your heads this morning and we're going to respond in worship. We're going to respond in prayer. Do you want to know what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will for you? Maybe this morning right there in your seat maybe it'll happen in the next few minutes but you can start talking to him on your own I want to encourage you to be thinking about what do you need to do to respond to what you've heard this morning maybe you're here this morning and your prayer is God come into my mind heart this morning Jesus I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to you for the first time for the 50th time would you wash your forgiveness and love over me Would you give me your mind heart? Would you transform me? Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me because I've been, there are so many ways that I've just gone off the rails and so many ways that I'm struggling and so many ways that that I'm thinking this morning that I need you to restore me, forgive me, and get me back on the right track so that my mind heart can be like yours. Maybe you're here this morning and your prayer is, God, give me strength because I'm trying to do this stuff. I'm on the right track. I I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I feel you in my life, but man, it's tough because I've got these things working against my mind heart being exactly what you want it to be. Holy Spirit, would you give me the strength to move forward, to press on, to fight the flesh, to do the stuff that I know I should be doing in order to know you better and, and hear you God, I pray that you would respond to the prayers that are prayed through the worship, just in people's hearts and minds this morning, that you would respond to the prayers that are prayed in this room this morning in exactly the way that they need to be responded to. Hear our prayer collectively, hear our prayers individually, and respond with grace, mercy, love, transformation, peace, strength. Challenge us. Holy Spirit, do your work in and through us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.